This is Dana Perino, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Schobel. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Schobel. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is co-host of the Five on Fox News, Dana Perino. Dana is the former White House press secretary for President George W. Bush, where she was the first Republican woman to hold the job. She served for over seven years in the administration, including at the Department of Justice after the terrorist attacks on 9-11. Currently, she's a Fox News anchor, co-host of The Five, and author of the new book, Everything Will Be Okay, which we discuss in this podcast episode. In your book, you detail your quarter-life crisis and explain that people today experience it over a longer period of time into their 30s. How did you overcome your quarter-life crisis to successfully pursue a long-term career in politics and in the media? Yeah, so it's interesting about the quarter-life crisis. When I first wrote about it in And the Good News Is, I thought that I was the only person that had really gone through that. And then I realized, oh no, every young woman is going through that. And maybe young men too. In the last six years or so, I've noticed that those feelings of, have I made the wrong career choice? I'm not meeting anybody that I want to have a long-term relationship with. I'm not getting a chance to do anything that I really wanted to do. That was happening around 24, 25 for people. But now I feel like that's been going on now for a few years. And it really concerns me because I feel like that is robbing people of life's joys. One of the things I think is the best way to deal with it is to first of all, realize you're not alone. Everybody is going through with it. So talk to people, talk about how they've gotten through it. Secondly, is that the more we try to plan our lives out, the less likely it is that it's actually going to turn out that way. You have to let go of the plan. You have to make good personal decisions and start to see your life in a way that is not so rigid. And the other thing is, I think you have to figure out a way to be a bright star wherever you are so that your your light has to shine brightly no matter what you're doing. And that eventually you start to realize that you don't have to be in crisis mode all the time. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And I think two of the other culprits are technology. Everyone has the fear of missing out. And so we continue to live these lives where we're trying to live up to the standards of society or friends or influencers or celebrities. And then Disney films. Disney films make it seem like everything has to be happily ever after in this perfect story. And we we obsess about the story we tell ourselves, our parents and friends about our situation and the people we're with. I think all of all of that is definitely true. And on technology, I think a great experiment is to just set it aside for a week. And you realize you're really not missing that much. Women especially have disproportionately suffered from a employment perspective during COVID. Actually, over the past year, about 3 million women have dropped out of the U.S. workforce. What is your advice to women on how they can rebound from this crisis and get back to work? The main reason that a lot of women have left the workplace is the hospitality jobs and the service jobs have kind of gone away. But also because so many kids are not able to be in school full time, it does often fall to the mother to be more of the caretaker of the children. And so for a lot of children, especially if they're young, you have to actually have a parent sitting there with them. That's why a lot of women have left. Continuing on this topic of inequality, last year, women made only 81 cents for every dollar a man made. What role do men have in supporting women's career as we strive for gender pay equality? And I think this is especially good for you because with your book, people might think it's just meant for women, but it's a team game, right? As a society, men have to also help women in taking yeah. off more of the load to support them. So what, what are your comments well, on that? Well, a couple of things. I think generationally, that's starting to change. You have companies like, for example, Salesforce that looked into its pay scales and realized, oh my gosh, even we here have inequities. And so they're, they're trying to, to deal with that. Now, there are some reasons that risk 
risk factors when it comes to a job that more men do than women. Sometimes that explains that. But I also think women are doing better when it comes to earning graduate degrees, starting businesses. They're graduating at a higher rate than men. One of the things I did in this book is I spoke to Lydia Finette. She wrote a book called The Most Powerful Woman in the Room Is You. She said she did not grow up comfortable talking about money, but that she got comfortable over time talking about money. And she said, you actually have to do more research. You have to ask people, ask your friends. You have to find out what people are being paid so that you can advocate for yourself. What I'm hoping is that managers of young women will read the book so that they can understand those anxieties and the desires, the different competing pressures that are going on in anybody's life. And also dads. Dads have a really important influence on their daughter's lives. And sometimes I think that they don't know quite how to help. And I think that there's some advice in here that everybody could take away and just try to make everyone feel a little bit more serene and joyous about the fact that you know, we get to live here in America. There are now female breadwinners in homes. And we, that would be unheard of in my grandfather's generation. But I'd love to go back to what you said early on in the interview about mentoring and how important it is to you. Can you give an example of a successful mentoring relationship you had and how both parties benefited? I started Minute Mentoring with some girlfriends of mine in 2010. The idea was whenever I was doing any sort of mentoring after I left the White House, I found that every young woman was asking me the same questions. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could just answer these all at once, all together, because women have the same concerns. I found that a lot of my mentors were organic. It wasn't a formal relationship where I said, will you be my mentor? And yes, and we set up a time every week to meet. Somebody who you want to be your mentor doesn't have time. So I had a chief of staff when I worked on Capitol Hill named Holly Probst, she had been an intern to the press secretary, to the legal side. She got her law degree while she was working. She became the chief of staff to the congressman I worked for. She would do all sorts of things for me. So she would let me sit in and listen to her while she did an interview with a reporter. So I could hear how she would answer questions. The other thing she did is she would blind copy me on emails to reporters so that I could see how is she framing this? How is she writing this, right? What I love about what you just said, she gave you exposure. She said, hey, I'm going to forward you, you know, an email from journalists. I'm going to put you in a room. It wasn't like she said, hey, let's spend four hours together. She wanted you to do some of the work too. And I think that's what's so smart about it. I remember one time in particular, she sent me in her place to a meeting. She told me like, here's my position. And right before I left, she said, and by the way, I'm sending you there for a reason. I don't expect you to be a little mouse. Sit there. You have to go and own your right to be at the table. I'm sending you in my place. And I believe that managers should be judged on whether or not they can promote their people. And I think that's the crux of mentoring is it's not one-sided. Absolutely. And so by even by you being in that room, if you say something that's really smart, you make her look good as well. And what's your best piece of career advice? You have to become the most resilient you. That means that you are the one that can take on more assignments you can deal with disappointments. You can have grace and dignity when dealing with a crisis because that will not only help you in the workplace, but also in your personal life. If I had to pick one thing, it would be resiliency. There are cracks that you can fall through. So you have to be disciplined, make very good personal decisions, and you can find that place of serenity. The more resilient you are, the more you're going to be able to enjoy your life and you'll be a lot more successful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Dana. To follow her journey, you can read Everything Will Be Okay and find her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter where she shares pictures of her dog, TV segments, and latest projects. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash danshawbell and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. (laughs) 